0: So uh, it's, it's school holidays here and uh, my daughter was given homework to do over school holidays for an art project. She had to go to the Natural History Museum and take some pictures of some, some natural forms and then do some drawings. Um, so we went to so the start of the holiday. We went to the Natural History Museum. Um, and did you ever go when you were in London? It's in um, South Kensington. It's like a little sort of complex of museums built by the victorians and we kind of got the train we went to the natural history museum and you go through a little tunnel and then you come out into the open air and through this very very grand entrance and we were wandering around the museum which i've been to you know two dozen times before and it is a great museum great exhibits but for the first time this time round, i was looking at the building and i'll tell you there is no there is no surface in the natural history museum which is not somehow illuminated or adorned or decorated every brick you know is carved and beautifully finished there's statues everywhere the the stairways it's a product of such incredibly fine craftsmanship everywhere you look even in the darkest little recesses the corner between you know the ceiling and the wall which is 14 feet over your head which no one ever looks at they're all you know immaculate and so well so well sort of decorated um, every brick is perfect. And um, I realized that the reason that this building is so elaborate and so very, very luxurious is because it was really the Victorian's way of showing off to the world look at our incredible wealth. Um, you know, we're able to build an, you know, an enormous public project like this, which is made to such an astoundingly high standard. We can afford it. And the reason that the Victorians could afford it. It's because they had spent the previous 60 years basically siphoning off the wealth of all of the rest of the world um, and drawing it back into London. And the Natural History Museum now, to a modern eye, it looks like a kind of reminder of Britain's shameful colonial past. Harry Hill is a British comedian. He used to, um, used to be on the comedy circuit. Uh, here um, Many years ago I remember one of my favourite Gags of his um, it's, He said um, I went to a, a local restaurant Called A Taste of the Raj The waiter beat me With a stick and forced me to build a complicated Railway system And, um, <laughs> and uh, I remember this, yeah, It's a great gag but you know what That's exactly what the, the British Empire Did around the world yeah. um, Having watched RRR this week and Gunga Dean um, I'd be interested to know how many movies there are that really get colonialism right um, before when we were talking about uh, Gunga Dean uh, you mentioned that it was like a, a Cowboys and Indians movie Yeah. Um, and the way that we view Cowboys and Indians movies now are very very different to the way that we view them when they were originally made I I'm hoping that we're now in the kind of climate where, um, you know, we can properly reassess the cost and the legacy of colonialism, but has it really
1: filtered through to cinema? What do you think? What have you seen? Um, I don't think I've seen anything recently other than RRR. Um, In my film viewing career, I've seen a couple of things that definitely make me think um, about uh, colonisation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... um, for me the first two films that came up were um French colonialist things um oh yeah I don't know if you've ever seen Chocolat by Claire Denis Right. Um, so that's Juliette Binoche isn't it Um is it is that Chocolat sh- Oh I'm not sure I'll have to, Oh no that's um that that's also Chocolat you're right oh. No this is a different Chocolat that is um oh Las is it Lassie Helmstrom did that film uh. I think so yeah yeah with Johnny Depp right Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, this is. I don't
0: remember any colonialism in that film. No, no, not you really. You have a very different reading of that
1: film. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there is actually. We're gonna go back and think about that a bit more. But Chocolat—it's a Claire Denis film. It's a French film, probably from the '80s. Okay. Um, and really, I think gives a very accurate—well, uh, I hope—a very accurate um, uh, representation, not of how the like the men colonize, but it's really about. Um, a woman who's sort of abandoned by her Her husband is an officer in the, in, in Africa. And he kind of disappears for long periods of time. So she's left to raise a daughter uh, among the servants. And just, it's, it's nice because it, it attacks it on this sort of domestic level. This is how you treat the people here. This is how you treat the locals. Um, uh, And it's very conflicted because she sort of has feelings for one of the servants. And uh, her daughter is very friendly with the same one, the same servant, um, so that one I, strikes me as being a different angle on it. It's not, there certainly are men with guns in it, but there aren't a lot. That's not the main story. So I liked that because it was much more personal view of it. Um, there's this one scene in Apocalypse Now, but yeah, I think it's the no. Redux version. So they edited okay. this scene out and I love it. It's just this surreal moment where, um, uh, the, like Martin Sheen and the others, they chance upon this, I think it's a coffee plantation in the jungle, something like that. And it's these French that are just eating off of this beautiful China and they're in a pretty nice building. And um, it's just this meal basically that they stumble into. Um, but it really is this wonderful um, contrast between how the colonizers uh, are living in the middle of this war zone jungle and how the, the locals are. So, I mean, I think those are two films that, strike me uh for their colonization and how like how day-to-day it is it's not all about just bursting into a country and and violently taking it over or forcing people into building things it's also about just how you bring your own culture into another place and how you have a very higher standard of living day-to-day among the people who live there normally
0: that's interesting that reminds me of uh the river have you seen that? Which is uh, Jean Renoir. No, um, I think I think it might be his last picture, possibly. Um, which is like it's a yeah, beautiful picture about um, this girl growing up in um, like you know, colonized India, and I, I honestly can't remember whether it's a French family or an English one. I think it must be English. Um, and the only thing I really clearly remember about it it starts out with like like a. A sequence of uh, scenes uh, where the little girl is playing in the garden um, with a boy and there's a snake and they're too young really to know to be afraid of the snake and it's very very tense because we the audience know that the snake you know what the snake means and the children kind of don't um and the scene that i really remember from that film is about like a the, the real kind of banality of everyday life these europeans in india um, towards the end of the movie, um, there's a scene where everybody has a nap, and uh, the camera just lingers on you know each of the characters as they have an afternoon nap when yes. it's just too hot and yes, too, too hazy to do anything yeah. um, during that part of the day, and it's just yeah, it's a beautiful, leisurely, sleepy little bit of filmmaking. Yeah, um, yeah, wonderful bit of control. I really clearly remember that nap. That's the yeah. greatest nap in in cinema history. But what it says about Again, but it's, it's, uh, what it says about colonialism is you know, largely banal, I think. Yeah, um, and it's it's a film that's uh, largely seen through the eyes of children, and so you know they don't see the wider picture that the adults will. So I don't think it really deals with those with those issues.
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. Um, The Battle of Algiers, actually, that's now that was French colonialism, wasn't it? Wasn't it the French who colonized Algeria? Yeah. Yep, and then have you seen the Battle of Algiers, nineteen uh, sixty-two? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I have. Yep. So could, I remember going to see that and being I'm not entirely clear whether it was a documentary or a drama. Exactly, and yeah. Straddles, straddles yeah. Straddles it those it really two camps. Really, good in that way. Yes. Um, and that has you know it's a tremendously tense scene where uh, there's a bomb that goes off in a cafe. Yeah. Um, which I think that's another thing that Hitchcock either referred to or. The scene in this film refers to Hitchcock because mm-hmm. I remember Hitchcock you know, explaining you know, so elegantly that um, the difference between thrills and suspense is that in thrills um, you know a bomb goes off in a cafe, whereas suspense is that you know there is a bomb under mm-hmm. the table in a cafe yep. and you're just watching people drinking their coffee and, yes you know, and you know, we the audience know there is a bomb, but nobody else does you know that's that's kind of suspense yeah um, and. Battle of Algiers absolutely plays that out exactly note for note um, and does it tremendously well. I hesitate to
1: bring this film up because it's kind of gushy, corny Hollywood, but um, I didn't love Dances with Wolves, but I did like the way it showed the American Indian a bit more on screen um, and... I like the fact that Kevin Costner ultimately sort of joins them and 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 learns how they live and respects them, and I think that's a you know it's definitely colonialism with a little bit of resistance that I liked to see on screen because that's like 1992 and we hadn't seen stuff like that we hadn't seen it on screen I don't think at that point I'm not gonna like say it's a great film or that I absolutely loved it but it was. And again, it's, it's for the masses. It's a mass, mass release film, you know, so I think that's where we need to put some of these ideas out there. So it was, you know, there's definitely a little anti-colonialism in it. It's not that strong, but a lot of people are seeing that and, you know, their eyes are getting open to different culture and, and a culture that we here in the United States tried to just wipe out.
0: I think, I, you know, I think Dances of Wolves might be a really good illustration of one of the big problems with cinema trying to tackle issues of colonialism, which is the, the white savior trope, yeah, isn't it? Precisely. Um, what, what, one of the movies kind of about colonialism I was going to mention was Lawrence of Arabia, but that's yeah. you know, absolutely the ultimate example of that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, these Arabs can't sort themselves out, but a white fellow. Yep. He'll he'll sort it out for them. He can figure it the out. The white people do it. Um, uh, any any Hollywood film which tries to you know um, talk about colonialism, you know, we'll will have a... you know. A, sadly seems to struggle without having you know a white guy a hollywood guy in the lead um which means yeah you kind of fall into this trap again and again so uh, it should be uh, something that's easy to overcome especially now that cinema becomes annually more global mm. um and uh, you know um, broader becomes you know, becomes a broader church year by year yeah. and yet still we don't seem to quite be able to get um you know, get white people off the screen. Even something like sort of Gandhi, um, which is a great anti-colonialist film. Yeah. Um, but Gandhi is still portrayed by
1: a white guy in makeup. Yes. So,
0: so you still kind of can't just can't hit those notes.
1: Yeah, very good actor, but someone else could have done it. I think. Right. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone else have could prof- have done I it. I mean, that we just saw that in Gunga Dean, too. It's, uh,
0: yeah, a absolutely. full
1: body paint on some actors to pull that one off. Um, yeah. I, it, when, when you sort of pitched this as a topic, I also thought about like colonization via film. Um, cause it, right. know, the United States, um, it's one of our biggest exports is, is entertainment is Hollywood is films. Um, and I think that starts to get into the, it's changing the worldwide culture. And of course now other countries are sort of trying to do the same sorts of things that we do in Hollywood in other places. And I think, you know, two of our biggest exports are weapons and film. Um, (laughs) So when I saw RRR, I was thinking, God, I mean, surely not all Indian films are like this, but I was thinking about those films that I'd seen uh, in the convenience store in Montreal that I mentioned in the show. Um, They were all seemed very violent. They'd have these little bits of romance in them, but um, just all that violence and uh, weaponry, um, you know, that's exactly how you take over a country. And it's kind of odd that sometimes we're doing that with the film industry via cinematic uh, invasion um so that's i started thinking about that how, how like if if we weren't so prodigious in terms of sending films out into the world from here because we're very bad at receiving films from other countries i think um you know would would the world view be the same as it is i mean would would other countries have you know stronger traditions um, that they that we can actually see here some of their visions of the world because I feel like a, a lot of stuff is going the way of the American film.
0: It's that's like our, one of our favorite recurring topics, isn't it? Soft power, yeah. Cinema as an instrument of soft power, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, I wonder whether you know maybe the the river will start flowing the other way. Yeah. Sometime soon it may do. Um, I struggle to name a national cinema. Which yet has much penetration in the United States, but it will come, won't it? There's always been like a market for, mm-hmm. say, Hong Kong cinema, yeah. genre pictures. Um, you know, are able to, to move, you know, into every territory. If we want the world to be a better place, whose movies should be should we be watching? You kind of think, well, should we be watching kind of Danish movies or something? Is it is it the Swedes that we should be turning to for, for yeah. a kind of you know a moral? Uh, moral compass Absolutely, from the yeah. cinema industry
1: or at the very yeah. least doing what we just did with that last episode which is we finally got perspectives from both sides to a certain extent with gunga dean and rrr so at least you're getting a rounder a rounder version of the truth with a couple uh, of different participants you know contributing this, to the making is, of history
0: this is a film which i didn't think would come up in our discussion of colonialism uh we were on a holiday last week yeah. um And uh, one of the films That we watched There was a little cinema Where we were One of the films That we watched Was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Okay Um and and yet, surprisingly, Sonic the Hedgehog too even has something to say about colonialism and soft power. Jim Carrey plays the baddie, oh yeah, um, and he I really looks like he's been allowed to improvise many of his lines, and he really really goes for it. You know, he sells it really hard. Um, it would be so easy for like you know an actor of his stature just to phone it in, yeah. video game movie, but no, he absolutely really really goes for it. And uh, in one of the final scenes, you know he's had a face off with Sonic the Hedgehog, and it looks like Sonic the Hedgehog has won, and. And uh, Jim Carrey's character is going to be banished forever. And Jim Carrey says, You know, why don't we call it a truce? You know, there, there have been good people on both sides in this fight. <laughs> and I was thinking, yes, it's nice to get that kind of, you know, a proper bit of, of, uh, of political satire into this kind of children's movie video game adaptation. But you're right, seeing both sides is what the answer is, isn't it? I think so. It's not that, yeah, you, absolutely. We, we, we need good people from both sides mm-hmm.
1: making good films. <laughs>
0: Making good films, yeah, making good films that people see exactly. I tell you what we need is we need good distributors from both sides. Yeah, I think that would help. I think yeah. the good films are there, aren't they? It's just that they never make it through. Yeah. It's, there's a big filter. Yeah. We need, we need um,
1: you know, braver distributors. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, too many hurdles to jump and, you know, if, if it's not in English, I don't know if the Americans are going to watch it. So lots of, lots of obstacles.
0: To, I'm going to cite another Kevin Costner film yeah, now. Okay. Which is, uh, if, if if you build it, they will come. So, yes. so we need, yes. So so yeah. We, we need some we need some some distributors to build it, and they will come. Yeah, they will come. I agree. Okay, let's get our popcorn.
1: Yes, finally. Popcorn